Welcome to the week one preview on the Punt the QB podcast. I'm Rick Navalani here with Tim Singer. Tim, let's get it started. What's going on, man? Dude, it's here. And that's the thing. I wanted to kick off the episode. I want to be like, oh, man, Russell Wilson got a big year, five-year extension from the Broncos. What does this mean for Lamar Jackson, who as of now still hasn't signed? But let's be honest. The only place to start is what happened last night. The Buffalo Bills coronation tour got off to an amazing start, and they crushed the defending champs in L.A. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, they scored 31 points and they turned the ball over four times, and it still wasn't competitive. And, and that was my that was one of my biggest takeaways. Was like, man, they had three first half turnovers alone. It could have been so much worse. Yeah, and, and that goes to show. And one thing I want to talk about when we get into uh, breaking down each week one game from a football aspect and a gambling aspect, it's going to be sloppy early on. Traditionally, I don't like to bet weeks 1, 2, or 17, which is now 18, because you don't know the teams you're going to get. And we saw it firsthand week 1. Dude, the expected Super Bowl champs against the defending Super Bowl champs, and there were seven turnovers in this game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, and that's the thing is, is like my hesitation was, and it's going to be an overreaction, my hesitation was, what's the Bills offense going to look like without Dayball? And I was wrong. You know, I yeah. mean... And I talked. I actually I talked about in our fantasy review episode um, about our standard draft. Like I thought, I thought our buddy Jeff really reached for Gabriel Davis in the fourth round. Holy cow! I ran into a train. Josh Allen to Gabriel Davis. Dear Lord, you yeah. know what it's like to be over one game into week one. You're like, well, on to week two. Well, actually, in uh, our other league, in our PPR league, I actually have Cooper Cup and Stephon Diggs, and I the. the the two of them combined had 12 catches, 250 yards, and two touchdowns. And I'm playing against Josh Allen, and Cooper Cup pretty much had the same amount of points as Josh Allen. So I pretty much have a 25-point lead, and I still have my quarterback. And, and Yeah, and that's the thing what I was going to say on the on the, the, the Rams side of it is, Matt Stafford basically played the I only have eyes for you. <laughs> I, I mean, am, am I wrong? No. Cooper Cup, 13 receptions, 128 yards, and a touchdown. Allen Robinson? Two targets, one catch. For 12 yards. Yep. I, I mean, what's going on there? I just think at this point, maybe it it wasn't so much as like, where everyone's talking about, is Stafford, uh, is the elbow a problem? So it's not the elbow that's a problem. It's the problem is, is that they don't, they have no diversification of of the of the team of the of the plays whatsoever. It is like, where's Cooper Cup and how can I get him the ball? Now, granted... Even against a good Buffalo Bills defense, Cooper Cup was open every single time he threw the ball to him, it seemed like. It seemed like Cooper Cup never had a contested pass. Am I wrong? And, and that's the thing, copyright Tim Singer. And that's the thing. I I, I mean, I, I don't know how to say it. It's like he's not the fastest guy in the field. He's not the biggest guy in the field. He just finds a way to get open. And him and Stafford have this amazing connection, which you and McVay's got to get in his ear and be like, dude, you got you got other guys on the field. We we gave money to Allen Robinson. Like I said, two targets, one catch. I, I, Henderson started the game. Cam Akers had three rushes for zero yards and zero targets in the pass game. What's going on with this offense outside of Cooper Cup? Yeah, well, I mean, maybe maybe the uh, the the uh, offensive coordinator that left when you were like, what happened with Dayball? Maybe it, maybe it was the offensive coordinator and the offensive oh, pass coordinator that left for Minnesota that maybe was a bigger deal than I guess maybe than Buffalo losing Brian Dayball because yeah it was it was a it was it was rough watching the Rams play yesterday it was rough watching them and especially if you started uh, Allen Robinson if you started Cam Akers I mean that was just painful to watch I'm sure all game yeah, long yeah well not more painful than playing against Josh Allen dear God four touchdowns and not only that but I'm screaming at the TV I finally got home by the time of the fourth quarter I'm screaming at the TV and it's like. Dude, you're up three touchdowns with, like, five minutes in the game, and Josh Allen's still freaking running the ball. Mm-hmm. He, his coach is going to go out there and tackle him. Like, dude, it's week one. We're up three touchdowns. What are you doing? Yeah, well, and- you know, St. Louis also – like I'm sorry, St. Louis. The Rams, L.A. Rams. But the Rams came out there, and when they started running the ball, there's, like, six minutes left. They're down three scores. That's the first two plays. Like run, run. What do you? Do? I don't know what's going on here. And, and that's that, the thing is, you would get more boost from the crowd, but yeah. LA has no home field advantage. I thought it was going to be a little bit different. I thought because you know, you know, the rings and the and the celebration and putting up the banner and stuff they, like they that. They even tried to get the Rock to hype up the yeah. crowd. Okay, right. <laughs> Rock, Rock did it at Super Bowl. And they were like, we need to do this again. And every fans were like, no, Super Bowl. We don't care. 
<laughs> That's the thing, yeah. They, they kept talking on the broadcast about the Bills Mafia and how there was a Bills presence, and, and it kind of made me think of, to a lesser degree, the Los Angeles Chargers, who I think both of us think are going to be good. Yeah. They have no home field. Neither one of them do. I mean, no home field advantage at all. I don't understand. <laughs> like, you built that big, huge stadium, and it you looks left, gorgeous. You left like the Chargers left San Diego, where they were loved. Yeah. And the and the Rams left St. Louis, where there was no other option to root for anybody else, and people are going to go to games there. And so, nobody has any desire to do this. There are two teams in LA where nobody cares about watching and that's what them play. Me, we kept hearing the narrative. Man, LA is the second biggest market. Second biggest. Market. We got to get a team there. We got to get a team there. Why? They got two teams now. One's is the defending champ, and they're like, eh. Maybe it's tourism. Maybe it's like, well, maybe more te- people people will come to L.A. to see their team play. I, I don't know, man. The, the Las Vegas Raiders seem to have a pretty good home field uh, last year. You know? Yeah. So, I one more thing I wanted before we move turn the page. I it, Week one is always overreaction week. Game one is always overreaction week. And we saw it, whether it was Twitter, whether it was the Talking Head shows, even in our group chat. Everybody's, oh, man, look at the Bills. Crown of champs, crown of champs. So I went on DraftKings before I got here to realize... Okay, how far has it gone? The six to one to five to one. That's it. The yeah. Bills went from six to one to five to one. I'm like, well, Josh Allen, he's got to be even money at MVP. He just looked amazing. Still five to one. Well, so it's only week yeah. one. I mean, no, I, I know, but uh, yeah. I mean, let's be honest. The world we live in, everybody's ready to already well, crown them. And right now, it's kind of funny because, like, when you're saying that like, everybody's, if you want to crown them, then crown them. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get that drop. Oh, Denny <laughs> For Dennis Green. Green, yeah. Rest but in I mean, peace, brother. But honestly, like. When you're talking about this, and it's like when we were talking about what our favorites were and stuff like that, and I said, oh, I'm going to take the Bills to beat the Eagles because it was like, I'm going to go chalk with the Bills, but I'm not going chalk with the Eagles. But yeah, it's like, pick one, but at the yeah. same exact time, when you talk to somebody, it's like, oh, look at you going chalk. Well, after that game, you want to send all those people a message back and be like, chalk, huh? Chalk? It's not chalk, but it's that good. I <laughs> and, mean, and that's the thing is, too, if you look at all the, the panel of experts that were you know doing the pregame show yesterday, they all said Bills. Yeah. I, I mean, they all, not just for the game, for the season. Everybody's saying that. So it's like, I, I went Chargers because I wanted to kind of go oppo and not just be another guy taking the Bills. At least for one week, they did look amazing. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. All right, so let's get started with the week one preview here for the actual Sunday games. The first Sunday Ladies and gentlemen, and now, and now. <laughs> eight hours of nonstop football. Oh man, you gotta love Red Zone. I, I don't know how we watched before. Um, for for our week one previews this season, we're gonna just fight out. Be like, listen, we're gonna talk about the football aspect, about the gambling, and then our bonus episode will be the fantasy aspect of it. So we got you covered always. And like I said, I prefaced a little bit in the open. I want to talk a little bit more. Be careful with week one. Okay, in 2021, the Jags beat Indy week one. New Orleans beat Tampa by 11. By the way, Tampa won the Super Bowl that year. You want more? Last year, Pittsburgh went into Buffalo and crushed Buffalo, who, oh, by the way, were 13 seconds away from the AFC Championship. Mm. You want more? The Cards won 38-13 over Tennessee, crushed them. And this probably was like 7 or 8.5 yeah. or something like and, that. and Tennessee was the number one yeah. seed. Uh, Miami won in New England. New Orleans crushed Green Bay 38-3, to and everybody's like, oh, did the offseason crush Aaron Rodgers? Oh, by the way, he won the MVP, and they finished the one seed. So let's woe that thing a little bit. Just, yeah. just you know, my annoying little PSA, but hey, woe that thing, guys. Uh, first game we're going to talk about, and let, let's get it out of the way right away. The Niners, a seven-point favorite at the Bears with an over-under 41.5. The Bears have lost seven of their last eight season openers. Probably going to be eight and nine, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, the only thing that is, is uh, I hear that Kittle's not going to play now. He has a serious groin injury, so Kittle is most likely out. Um, But, yeah, the Bears are severely lacking at depth all around the field. So I really don't see how this is going to end well for them. I mean, even Trey Lance, who I am skeptical on more than most, I think that Trey Lance um, still gets it done with, with the team that he has around him. And that's one thing I was going to ask you about the Niners, and I think that's the biggest actor. We know what their defense brings. We know Bosa's amazing. The big question is going to be, how does Trey Lance look in this offense? How do they? Because we know what Jimmy Garoppolo leading that offense looks like. It looks like a run game where he throws 20 passes. How does this offense look with Trey Lance? I think this is going to be one of those. It's going to be a more similar to a Mahomes or a Josh Allen, you know what I mean, or a Lamar. You're going to, you're going to pass – but you're going to run. You're going to have your runs, but you're going to have your passes, and then your passes sometimes are going to break down, and he's just going to run up the field. Yeah. If he sees a hole, he's going to check the one guy, see a hole, and run. And the Bears, can they translate anything from their, quote, success in the preseason? No. 
Not at all. I No, I, you can't because you didn't play against any starters. When they played against Cleveland, did they play against Cleveland's best defense? No. Did they play against Cleveland's best offensive weapons? No. Repeat, rinse and repeat for every single team you're talking they, they played against. Agreed. Uh, next one on the docket for the noon uh, one o'clock Eastern slate. You got Baltimore, seven point favorite at the Jets with an over under forty four and a half. The Joe Flacco re- revenge game. <laughs> is it by this time he's been gone for a couple of years now? Like I, yeah, it? I had I had to say it tongue in yeah. cheek. You know, I mean, factually speaking, Baltimore has covered five of the last six openers. Uh, what do you think about this one, man? Yeah, well, you know what, I mean, Lamar didn't get his get his get his contract, and that's the kind of thing that we we should start off when you're talking about the Ravens. You say, well, headline, and Lamar that's what I, that's why I mean before the the Bills, you know, we we crowned him already. Um, that's what I want to talk to you about is like, is it a big deal that Lamar hasn't gotten paid yet? I I, I think it is. He says it's not. He wants to focus on football. He represents himself. And, and let's be honest, even when Dak played it out in Dallas and he got hurt, he still got paid. And Lamar's going to get his, but I. I is it a big deal that he has not? I mean, no, probably not. But at least it's not hanging over everybody all season long. It's not going to be brought up as much because now every single time it's going to be like we're not talking about that until at the end of the season. You know, kind of put the kibosh to that and and get to playing some football. Um, I think this is this is going to be an interesting game because the Ravens could blow the Jets out or this game could be close. But I still think the Ravens win. I think there's like if you're talking about like. What's the percentage? Oh, it's like a 98% chance the Ravens are winning this game. Yeah, let's be honest. I, I think the only question on the Jets' side is what's their offense going to look like? I think a lot of people, especially fantasy players, what's that running back split going to look like? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be Brees, uh, Brees Hall and then Michael Carter, or is it going to be Brees Hall and Michael Carter? I mean, and, and, and that's the thing is you can say, hey, Elijah Moore looked really good. Uh, what's the offense going to be? It's Joe Flacco. So we don't really know. I mean, that's about it. I don't yeah. think anybody expects the Jets to win this game. No, no, I don't think anybody expects the Jets to win this game. And and, the, and I think it's one of those things where you talk about when um, you had Mike White, who actually last year as a rookie, when he came in for an injured Zach Wilson, he actually you know had a couple of good Didn't games. Didn't he have a five-touchdown game against yeah, the he, Bengals? he beat the Bengals, yeah. yeah. But I'm saying, like, you, he has talent there and stuff like that. But when I feel like when you're playing against – when you're playing Flacco – I feel like you're just waving that white flag. Flacco is not the guy that's going to help you win games. He's just going to be there to help you not lose games. And that's the thing is coaches don't see it the way GMs do. GMs like, I need to develop long-term. Coaches are, I need to win Sunday. Mm-hmm. And, and they live in that vacuum. And that's why most of the best coaches can't be both head coach and GM because they're thinking in different directions. All a coach wants to do is win that Sunday. And, and that's the thing is, moving on to the next game for the noon slate, stop uh, me if you've heard uh, this before. The road team is favored by seven on Indianapolis, favored by seven at Houston with an over-under of 46. Now, seven of the last Indy-Houston games have gone under. I I think it looks about the same in this one, doesn't it? I think, think, yeah, it does. It does look under because you're talking about two teams – Two teams that are obviously in different positions right now. Obviously, Indy is the favorite to win this division, and Houston is definitely not the favorite to win very many games. <laughs> this just um, Yeah. But I think the one thing that really gets me about this game that's going to keep it low is the Colts' weakness is what will be probably the Texans' strength. Is that the Colts' O-line... Wait, the Texans have a strength? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> the Colts' O-line... It, to me, is a little bit of a concern. It's probably the biggest concern on that team for me personally. And when you're talking about you're playing against a Lovey defense that's going to bend and not break, so you're not talking about Lovey who's who blitzes people off and he doesn't. No. He plays that safe that, that cover Tampa two. two. The bend yeah. don't break, make turnovers. But the biggest problem is, is if you're playing that cover two and you got an offensive line that's injured and not playing well, and those front four are getting to the quarterback when you're playing a cover two, that's a problem. Yeah, I, I and I think that's the biggest question for the Indy side is what does the Indy offense look like under Matt Ryan? I think it's going to look more or less like it's looked the last couple of years under Philip Rivers and Carson Wentz. Give the ball to Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, and it's a, even bad offensive linemen can run block. Yeah, we Trust can hope. Me, I know, but I'm just I saying, but I'm just saying like there could be there could be problems if if they turn around and decide to start throwing the ball. There could be issues with the pass blocking on this one. Yeah, no, I I hear you. I hear you. I, I think. I think that's something they have to worry about when they play a tougher team. And when you're talking about the Texans you're in Lovey, you're talking about a team that's just going to just run the ball and run the ball and run the ball and play cover two defense. You know, and it's pretty much always going to be the same thing. So if 
if they start having issues, if the Colts start having issues early, this could be a problem. Yeah, and that's the thing is I think the only thing you really want to look forward to for the Houston Texans, uh, Damian Pierce, everybody's darling in the preseason. Um, what's he going to do in his debut? Yeah. Because I think, I think you know what you're going to get from Brandon Cooks. To a lesser degree, you know you're getting Davis from Davis Mills. We know what Lovey does, the way he plays it. I, I think we're all, if you're going to watch that game, Damian Pierce, what's he doing? Yeah, and, and Indianapolis is a team that last year proved they won, They went in their in and they went and lost to Jacksonville, a bad Jacksonville team. Now you got a bad Texans team. And how are they Are they going to respond and come out guns blazing, or are they going to fall flat on their face again? We'll see. I, I yeah. think we both think the Colts are going to win that South. But if they go into Houston and lay an egg, maybe not. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in the next game we're talking about uh, on the noon slate, we got Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. The Bengals are a six-and-a-half-point favorite, which let, let me just stop there. In the history of football, at least in our lifetime, when was the last time you can remember the Bengals being favored by a touchdown against the Steelers? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It just doesn't sound right to say it. You almost have to look at it again and be like, I know the Bengals went to the Super Bowl last year in Pittsburgh starting Mitch Trubisky. But I just, in the history of our lives watching football, Pittsburgh being a dog to Cincinnati just doesn't sound right. Well, when you're talking about Cower, Bill Cower, and uh, Mike Tomlin, I mean, yeah, probably in that whole time, the, the Bengals have probably never been favored by seven. Yeah, they were the Bengals, and the Steelers just found a way, yeah. no matter who was their guy and who there was their coach. Uh, I mean, for the Pittsburgh offense this year, it's going to be Mitch, don't lose the game. Because their defense is good enough. Minkin Fitzpatrick is there. Oh, by the way, T.J. Watt is there. I, their defense is going to be good. Tomlin's a great coach. Mitch has to just don't screw it up. Am I wrong? Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, they just have to make sure that they're calling calling plays that helps them succeed. I mean, Mitch is... Mitch can play. I mean, but Najee Harris can play. And Deontay Johnson can play. And stuff like that. You just have to put yourself in a better position... Put Mitch in a better position to win than the Bears ever did. Yeah. Um, on the Cincinnati side, they are the Super Bowl runner-up. Uh, we've heard over the years about the Super Bowl runner-up curse. Yeah. It probably has about as much juice as the Madden cover curse. Um, what do Burrow and Chase and the Bengals do for an encore? You, hopefully you win this game. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, but, I mean, like, I, yeah, I mean, they've got a lot of talent there in Cincinnati. And the offensive line has gotten better, and Joe Mixon – uh, should be able to run better on this. I think you're going to see an, an even more balanced Cincinnati team. And that's to me, is the most dangerous Cincinnati team, is the one that's well-balanced, that is running the ball efficiently and passing the ball. Absolutely. That, that, that approach worked on their way to the Super Bowl. Oh, by the way, they had a lead in the fourth quarter. So mm-hmm. this just in. Everybody loves watching the Bills and the Chiefs, and everybody remembers that game, but neither one of them played in the Super Bowl, did they? No. Now, one thing I want to know before we move on from this game Vegas, or at least DK, has Joe Mixon's rushing total at 67.5, and, and Najee's only at 60.5. What do they know? I, maybe they think this is going to be something where, maybe they know something that we don't, because there are several times where you see play, when you say strategies, and, and you see a team and go, why are they just passing the ball? Why is this nothing but passing the ball? You know me, I'm a run, the, run ball. the damn ball. <laughs> just run the ball. Kind of a thing like, why can't we run the ball? I mean, maybe they think this is Madden, like 2022 Madden. You know, 2022 Madden. Nobody could run the ball. It seems I like. just found that I just found that really curious in doing my research for the podcast. Why are their rushing totals so low? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like I said. Well, I mean, I could see it with Pittsburgh's defense because Pittsburgh's defense they haven't what they've only given up a couple of hundred yard rushes in the last like what ten years. Well, I'm not talking 100. It's 67 and a half. I, I, I don't think that's I'm too much saying. to ask. No, we'll see. I mean, like, the, the ongoing theme forever, if you think you're smarter than Vegas... You you're wrong. You're wrong. There's no other way to say it. Now, the next game on the noon slate we're going to talk about, Philly is a four-point favorite at Detroit with an over-under of 49. That really caught me. Now, you did a YouTube video about this on our YouTube channel, so if you guys want to hear Rick go in-depth about his love for this game, check out our video on the uh, Punta QB YouTube channel. Good stuff. Um, and that was the one thing from my take I wanted to say. Two teams that love to run the ball. The Philadelphia Eagles were number one in rushing last year. And Detroit, once uh, Campbell took over play calling, they became a more run-centric team. So you got two teams that love to run the ball. I feel like that's going to shorten the game. So when I see an over-under 49, I'm like, what in the hell is going on? But, I mean, that's just my take. I I think we're looking long-term and even short-term. Does Jalen Hurts take the jump? They've surrounded him with talent. Um, I I think it should be fun stuff. 
Yeah, you know? I think I think he does take the jump. I think that this is going to be a really entertaining game. You got a lot of uh, ac- action. You got a lot of good offensive, young offensive talent on both sides of the field there and stuff like that. And you know, betting betting perspective is what we're kind of doing here for this one. Is is uh, don't be surprised. I feel like every single year when you were started the season off the last two years, Tannehill to AJ Brown was the first scorer of each game. I could see them Jalen Hurts to AJ Brown being the first scorer of this game because you're going to want to get him active and involved in the game as early as possible. Well, and that's the thing is when you are successful at running the ball, the play action pass works amazing. So maybe that's what they're thinking. Maybe I just I saw two teams that love to run the ball and I was like, that's a pretty big number. Uh, moving on to the next noon game. We got two teams that are very familiar with each other. You got the New Orleans Saints, a five and a half point favorite at Atlanta. Now, the Saints are 14 and 3 in their last 17 games versus NFC South opponents. Now, I know Sean Payton's not there anymore, not Drew Brees is not there anymore, but I mean Atlanta's is going to be bad. I, I think we can agree on that. Yeah. You know. I, I mean, and one thing I thought was cool about this game, the starting quarterbacks for this game Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota were the first two picks of the 2015 draft. Nice. That's the old where are they now. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, and they were well, the first two picks of then? a draft, and now they're kind of trying to reinvent their careers on the Saints and the Falcons. Mm. You know? Yeah. Interesting. I, I think that... Uh, Apparently you're not as interested as I was. Well, no. I, no, <laughs> clearly not. I just I just think this is one of those games that it's like you've got a very bad Falcons team and you got a Saints team. Is like, well, could they... Threaten the Bucks for the South? Can they? But, but guess what? The Saints lost to the Falcons last year. Um, you know, later, late in the season, in November. And uh, so this is a game I just don't want anything to do with. I mean, in, in mo- almost every aspect of this game, it's like over-under, I, I don't really care. It's like a yeah, spread. Yeah, that 42.5 like, seems about right. The the, the 5.5 is weird because you're like, yeah, the Saints winning by 6 wouldn't surprise anybody. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, somehow the Falcons only losing by three or even winning this by three, I don't think that would surprise anybody either. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it is literally a game that I, I go, I could find so much better value anywhere else across the board. Yeah, and I think the biggest question, I, I, I think, for, for at least in New Orleans, is like, okay, you feed it to Alvin Kamara as much as you can, you know? I mean, and that's pretty much stick to that game plan. Don't, don't let Winston lose it for you mm-hmm. because the Falcons are not a team that's going to punch you in the mouth and beat you, you know. Yeah, well, you also kind of might – the Saints might also be kind of moving towards that direction anyway because Michael Thomas is, once again, questionable to play. And, you know, yeah. Michael Thomas, that's for two years, that's all he's been is questionable. Pretty much, yeah, and Olave's green, so it's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, the next game, and I wanted to spend a little bit more time on this game because I think we're on clear both sides of it. Cleveland Browns are at Carolina. Carolina's a one-and-a-half-point favorite with an over-under 42 and we got another revenge game, if you will, just a little more teeth than the Flacco, the Baker Mayfield revenge game. Yeah, Baker actually quoted was quoted as saying, "I'm going to f them up." <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing is, you know, Miles Garrett and the boys have that in their locker, yeah. taped up, and they are just waiting because, and they're not even saying anything. They're just like, "Okay, all right, man." <laughs> okay, I, whatever Miles Garrett's sack total is, bet the over. Yeah, it could be like, "Yeah, Miles Garrett's going to get five sacks." I'm like. I'll still take the over. Yeah, I mean, they're I'm, coming. They're coming for this guy. And that's the thing is, that, like, they, they had to be like, listen, man, we had to deal with you and all your antics while you are a quarterback. Now, not only are you the opponent, but you're going to talk trash. That being said, I still like Carolina in this game. I just feel like, and I, and I told you in my bold prediction segment, I think Carolina has an outside chance of making the playoffs, and I kind of like it. I, The Panthers have lost seven straight games. Now, like I said, that, that was with Sam Darnold and P.J. Walker and Cam Newton and all that stuff. Matt Rule's dead man walking. If he wasn't getting paid so much guaranteed money, he probably would have been fired at the end of last year. Is there any way the Panthers rise up for their coach and win one for him and, and Baker gets his revenge? To me, no. You, you, because we're, we're on opposite sides of this. We've been on opposite sides well, of this. That's the narrative for weeks. I'm pushing for myself. You go ahead and push that narrative all you want. I'm gonna push okay. The, you hit me with your Jacoby Brissett. I'm gonna put, big guy. I'm gonna push. I'm gonna push the narrative of Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, exactly. Because what do they do? They go, hey, you hear what Baker said? Yeah, how many people listening just threw up in their mouth? No, now? I'm just saying that when they do a press conference, nobody this season has been more entertaining to listen to. Maybe. You know Brady telling everybody, "Come on, man, I got shit to do." So I got, come on, everyone's got lives now. I'm 45 years old, I got shit going on. But, <laughs> but you know, like nothing's more entertaining to me 
than watching Jacoby Brissett have to say things to to the press about Deshaun Watson. About Deshaun Watson, yeah. but now even about this about Baker Mayfield, he's like, hey, you know, he says you know about you know leaving last year and leaving on a bad note, and he says he's gonna f you guys up and stuff like that. And Jacoby Brissett was like, I wasn't even here last year. I I don't have anything to do with <laughs> he's that. like i was a dog that's what he said he goes i wasn't even here last year i have, have nothing to do with that and like basically just told that the reporter's like yeah but he's like yeah i don't know yeah they were i don't fishing, know i wasn't they, here they were fishing for a soundbite and he's like what do you want from he me? gives them nothing every <laughs> single time what is like how are you gonna be deshaun watson while he's gone he's like trust me it's very easy for me not to be deshaun watson i'm just saying when you're talking about this game chubb and hunt man chubb and hunter boss and you're talking about a team that i feel like even though jacoby Brissett is not a uh, a, a glamorous quarterback. He's not a. He's not a. He's not even above Dude, average. There's quarterback. people in Cleveland that don't know his name. There's a. He's not even an above average quarterback. He's an average quarterback. But you know what I love about it? I love his mentality. And that whole team has the same mentality right now. They're not saying anything. Miles Garrett isn't like, oh, I'm going to show Baker what's what. They don't, like yeah. Nobody's talking anything about this. This team is just. Coming in there methodically locked and loaded with what they have to play with right now. And I think that you're talking about Chubb and Hunt just taking over this game. And I, I think Carolina does have a really good defense. But Nick Chubb, is, when you're talking about pure rusher, I don't I don't know if there's anybody I like more than Nick oh, Chubb. Oh, you don't have to sell me on my guy, Nick Chubb. I just feel like Carolina is at home. They have more talent in in. Uh, and that's hard to say when Baker's your quarterback. Do they you, though? Do they have more talent I, on offense? Not on, not on defense. That defense is very good for Cleveland, but I, I I don't know. I I like I said, we can agree to disagree. All right. All right, Tim. So let's move on to the next game here. The New England Patriots are traveling to the Miami Dolphins. The spread. Patriots. Yes. The spread here is minus three and a half to the Dolphins, and the over under is at forty six and a half. What are you thinking? You know, Miami has gone 4-1 against the spread versus New England in the last five. I think that goes to 5-1. More on that later. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, 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 that's the thing. is I've told you all preseason about my reservations about my Pats team. Uh, their offense is not going to be good. Um, I, I, I don't... I, I don't... I'm trying to find something positive to say about the Patriots and their outlook. Keep looking. Miami has a very good September and into October home field advantage. They've done this thing with their stadium, and, you, and if you listen to ex-players talk about it, there's this, like, curtain over their open where everyone's in the shade, but the visitor's silent. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's this weird, like, the sun only shines on the visitor's sideline, and everybody says it's 20, 20 to 5. That, that, that's why Belichick went down early. He wanted his team to get used to the conditions. And, and it, it's brilliant. I mean, if you talk about home field advantage... It's brilliant, and that's the thing is, I, I think, let's be honest, Miami has more weapons. Um, unless you want to try to say, oh, Devontae Parker's going to get back in his old team. Even if they said that, it doesn't change <laughs> I, the fact that they're, they're over, they're, there's an abundance of talent in Miami compared to New England. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think the only question for New England is how they divvy up running back carries. I, am, I, am I wrong? Yeah, well, it's not going to make a difference if they fall behind early. Yeah, and well, yeah, that's the thing. It's for Miami... Um, is Mike McDaniel going to to run the ball with his, you know, Chase Edmonds and, and Raheem Mozart? Or does he let Tua throw? I mean, it is Tyreek's debut. Yeah, well, we'll see because I think they're going to you're going to have to have a you're going to have a good mix, I think. And the one thing I'll say about this is is that Belichick maximizes talent, but if you don't have enough talent, it doesn't make a difference. And that yeah, that's the thing. Is you can you can you can season the pie as much as you want. You can do whatever, but you can't make apple pie without apples. Yeah. You just can't. So speaking uh, about another game that not many people are all that interested and in, may not get that much time on red zone, the Jacksonville Jaguars are at the Washington football team. Yeah, I said it. Minus two and a half. Uh, this is our, let's call it, it's, we're a full service operation game. Yeah, this is this is the game. Well, there was a couple of noon games that we were like, oh, yeah. Yeah, but this one is the, uh, does anybody outside of Washington, D.C. care? Well, not when you can watch all the rest of these games, which look a lot more entertaining. Yeah, exactly. I mean, for the Jags, we got a new era of Jags football with Doug Peterson, who can only be an upgrade from Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, I, I'd say they went out and got Trevor Lawrence some weapons, but we're talking Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram. So, I, I think I'm more interested to see Travis Etienne healthy. What do they do with him now? They traded Chenault. I are, are they going to make him running back slash weapon? Who are we talking about? Travis Etienne. 
Oh, yeah, Trev. Oh, I thought you said Chenault. I was like, wait a minute, Chenault's not there anymore. I said they traded yeah, him. Yeah, they traded him. But I thought, like, when, you, when you followed up the question, I was like, I thought you were still talking about Chenault. I was like, uh. Damn. Oh, no. Oh, no. So I'm Travis, used to my wife not listening no, to me. <laughs> damn. <laughs> no, Travis Etienne, yeah, he's a guy that can, obviously, he'll probably line up as running back because, you know, James Robinson is questionable as far as how he'll be back and stuff like that if he's going to be ready to go week one or if he's going to be on some kind of a, a snap count. But. Yeah, no, I don't see any reason why when he's not getting the ball, they might as well just go ahead and motion him out and put him out in the slot and stuff like that and try to make some things happen. He's going to be like, yeah, he's going to be like Chenault. And I know last year when they were talking about doing that before he got hurt, that it was like, you already have LaVisca Chenault. Well, now you filled that problem because you finished. Yeah, you, you, tra- you shipped yeah, him off to You filled that problem because he's not there anymore. But let me tell you this. I don't understand where all this love comes from the command for the commanders or the football team as you like to call them. I don't know <laughs> what, what love are you speaking. We talked about this last episode. I, what okay. love are we talking the about? The football team. There's well, there are some people that are telling like I've I've talked to people before and I was like, oh, I really like the Eagles to win. They're like, oh, give me the give me the better value to take the commanders to win the. Uh, to I mean, win if the you're East. talking Betty wise and Dallas and Indy or Dallas and Philadelphia are minus one twenty five and you're looking. For a future sprinkle, I get the approach, but I, I don't think there's really any true love for. I mean, how many how many chances does Carson Wentz get? Yeah, well, I honestly tell you, this is this is the one game that I've always like. When I look at a lot of the other games we talked about, it's like, can I see the dog winning? Yeah, you know, in in you know, in a perfect world, I could see I could see things going a certain way, and and the dogs winning. So this is a game I see the dog winning. This is yeah, and it's. I, don't I know think, it's two and a half. Nobody, so yeah, nobody has any. And that's the thing; it's two and a half. So they didn't even have enough faith in the Washington Football Team to give them the full home three. So I, I don't. And let's be honest: how many people outside of these cities are, are even betting on this? No. no. The only other thing that intrigues me, and I'll talk about it more in our fantasy episode. What, uh, Antonio Gibson talking about second chance of Carson Wentz. Antonio Gibson gets a second life. He had lost that job to Brian Robinson. DK has his rush yards at 58 and a half. Seems about right for me. I think if he scores a touchdown, you know, maybe. But this is his, his last chance. He's got four to five weeks to prove he should be the starting running back before Robinson comes back. Yeah, he better not have any fumble problems in the next handful of weeks. And that's the downside about betting on him or starting him. If he gets a first quarter fumble, forget it. You just see J.D. McKissick the whole rest of that, the game. That's it. That's it. And that's about enough for that game. That We probably spent about two minutes too much on that game. The last of the noon 1 o'clock Eastern slate, you got the Green Bay Packers, a one-and-a-half-point favorite at Minnesota with an over-under of 47. Green Bay is 15-3 and three in the last 18 versus the NFC North. To no one's surprise. No, because the, the NFC North most of the time has been pretty putrid, and the, the Vikings do a pretty good job of shooting themselves in the foot, let alone having a good Packers team roll over them. Now, you and me both talked all preseason that we like the Vikings, we think they've got some good upside, and I think we both bet on them to win the division. I'm really interested, and maybe it's just because Green Bay's name, they're one-and-a-half-point favorite in Minnesota. Now, not only have the Packers lost Devonta Adams and Marquez Valquez-Skandon, Alan Lazard is doubtful. They lost their offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, and their quarterback coach. I, I mean, can they still go full steam ahead? Well, here's the thing. I know we're not talking about fantasy right now, but when your number one option at wide receiver on most sites says it's Sammy Watkins, that's not good. And that's the thing is you can say all you want. Aaron Rodgers is a back-to-back MVP, and that's true. But, I mean, he's got to have somebody. Yeah, I don't see it. I don't see this at this point. I think you're really going to have – I think the off, I think the offensive talent, besides those two running backs and Rodgers – those two running backs and Rodgers is pretty much all the Packers have right now. Their receiving receiving core is abysmal. The fact that now that Lazard, yeah, they're not even have Lazard. Lazard I mean, might not be, is probably not going to play. He's doubtful. Yeah, I just but holy cow, you would be like, okay, well, this is one of those chances for like Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs. If you're going to get some significant time and make some make some hey, you're going to have to do it this week. Because yeah, I, I just that that kind of I mean, like I said, I, I'm not doubting Vegas because they build hotels and I don't. But for them to be a one and a half point favorite, minus all those weapons in Minnesota, kind of caught me by surprise. Well, I got to tell you, with with the the amount of weapons that the Vikings have and this new system that they that a lot of the players are raving about, and playing against a Packers team that has pretty much no wide receivers going out there, if you lose this game, then maybe me and Tim were maybe we were on the wrong side of this. When we we're talking about <laughs> yeah. the Vikings are going to win this with the Vikings. Yeah, and that's the thing is, yeah, the, the Kevin O'Connell era starting in Minnesota, a lot of people have high expectations. Like we said, in our PPR fantasy draft, Justin Jefferson went number two and nobody batted an eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there should be good things. So, 
it'd be interesting. These are two teams that know each other well. Um, they're going to be the two competing for the NFC North. I- I'm excited to watch the game, you know, much yeah. more than Jacksonville-Washington football team. Yeah. So if we're going to move on to the 325 slate, um, another team that, let's be honest, I don't think anybody's going to be watching this game. The New York Giants are at the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee's a five-and-a-half-point favorite over under 43-and-a-half. The Giants have lost six straight games. But it's the Brian Dayball era. So, any interest in the Giants? Um, yeah, in the covering aspect, yeah, I could see them covering this game. Um, do I see them winning this game? Well, the Titans l- l- fell flat on their face in Tennessee last year um, against, the, against the, Cardinals. the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but obviously that's two totally different teams. But Tennessee's fallen flat on their face before, and um, and when you're talking about you know spreads, you know like these, this is one of the higher ones because nothing nothing gets over seven in week one here. It seems like, and uh, but yeah, and honestly, it's like there's so many better games, and you can find value. yeah, especially you can the, find value in so many other the three twenty five slate has got some better games we're about to talk about. So that's why I was like, I don't know how many people are gonna care. You know, outside of hardened New York fans, mm-hmm. about New York and Tennessee. For Tennessee, what does their passing offense look like without AJ Brown? I mean, DraftKings and Vegas doesn't think that it's going to be very. Ryan Tannehill's passing yard totals two oh five in 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 twenty twenty two football when everyone passes and the leagues pass crazy. Tannehill's passing totals two oh five, and even then, I'm like, eh, that, that sense about high. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know if I want anything to do with that because. If you got if you got King Henry going, then there's a chance he only throws for 150 yards. Yeah, I agreed. I, I and that's the thing is that's about enough for that game, yeah, right? Right. <laughs> now a game I, I think a lot of people are excited about, and it's the highest over under the week. The Kansas City Chiefs, a six point favorite at Arizona, 54 is the total, highest of the week. Now KC's got to have a bad taste in their mouth about the way the AFC Championship ended. They had a lead at halftime. They laid an egg the second half. They, uh, I mean, they got to come out swinging, don't they? Yeah, but the the thing that scares me about the Chiefs is 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 this team, even though they lost Tyreek Hill, pretty much scream one dimensional. I mean, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I don't have any faith in that guy. I don't have any faith in Isaiah Pacheco. This team, yes, you do. Screams, <laughs> not yet. I, I I drafted him. Hopefully, it works out. But I have no faith in this team having any desire to run the ball whatsoever. No, I, I hear you, and that's the that has been a an Andy Reid staple. Even when he had successful running backs like you know Brian Mitchell, Darren Sproles, stuff like that, uh, it was out of the out of the backfield. It was passing the game out of the backfield. Um, so I, I mean, I guess, and it's funny. Patrick Mahomes actually apologized to fantasy owners. He had a press conference. And he said, "I'm going to apologize to fantasy football owners right now because we're spreading the ball around." I just thought that was funny that he like you know broke the fourth wall and just acknowledged it. He's like, "Guys, we're going to spread it around." So it's like, no Tyreek, no problem. Now DraftKings has Mahomes passing total of two ninety five and a half. They don't think they're skipping a beat. Well, no, I don't think. But, but they can't all go to Travis you're Kelsey. Talk, and you're talking, but you're talking about a Cardinals team that lost uh, their best their best pass rusher on defense and Chandler Jones last year. So they're gonna. They're, I feel like both teams are gonna feast in this one. If you told me the if you told me this game gets almost to seventy, I probably believe it. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is the the only downside is a lot of people said that about the opener where the total was fifty two and they're like, oh man, Bills Rams they're gonna crush yeah. that. Yeah, thirty one to ten. Mm-hmm. So I. Like I said, I, I tend to agree with you. Um, two pretty good offenses. I'm excited. I do want to see what Arizona's offense looks like without DeAndre Hopkins. I will say that you got to watch out for Arizona because every single year that Kingsbury and Murray have been there, they've started off hot every single year. And they have, yeah. And that's the thing. is, Like I said, my only worry about Arizona is no DeAndre Hopkins. Rondell Moore has been ruled out. You know, Zach Ertz is questionable. I think everybody thinks he's going to play. It's Hollywood Brown and A.J. Green. <laughs> A.J. Green, dear Lord. I, I mean, hell, at this point, bring Larry Fitzgerald back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's. I, I'm excited about this game. I think it should be fun, and it's going to be front and center on red zone. Mm-hmm. Accompanied by this next game, the Las Vegas Raiders, and I put in quotations mark, are at the Los Angeles Chargers. Because, <laughs> let's be honest, it's probably going to be at least half Raiders Oh, fans. it's a Raiders home game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, last year it was. Overrunners, 52 and a half. That's a big number. And, and that's why I say no one's paying attention to the Giants-Titans in this window. Now, the Chargers' last six games have gone over. 
52 and a half a big number, or are you, or are you still going with that? I think both these teams have a lot of offensive weapons. I think this game goes over. Yeah, and that's the thing is, I for for the Raiders, you're talking Devontae Adams, Las Vegas debut. DraftKings says he's going to go over 80 and a half receiving yards. Um, I, I, like I said, him and Derek Carr are going to have magic. Josh McDaniels is there. I think my only question for the Raiders offense, because you know they're going to pass the ball. Derek Carr always puts up good yards. There's Adams, there's Renfro, there's Waller, even though he's mad about his contract. I'm interested to see how is their approach to Josh Jacobs. Because this regime didn't draft Josh Jacobs. They have no connection to him at all. And they did not pick up his fifth-year option, which for running back, let's be honest, you're not going to pay that much for a running back. Mm -hmm. So they have no connection to him at all. But they did drop Kenyon Drake. So do they run Josh Jacobs into the ground saying, they we don't care, we don't have him next year? Or do they give Samir White a shot? I think it's a mixture of both. I think you're going to run run Josh Jacobs, and whenever he says, I need to come out, you're going to put Samir White in there. If he says, I need a breather because uh, I'm getting pummeled out there, and they're going to put Samir White out there and see what he can do. Um, this is pretty much like, it's very mimicking of what I think is going to happen with the, with the Bears, with uh, David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert. Khalil Herbert is the future. David Montgomery's not going to be there next year. So might as well just run this guy ragged yeah, I, until he can't do it anymore. I, I actually agree with you. Yeah, I think that's what they're going to do. And, and so for somebody who drafted, I kind of hope so. My, my, my one little thing, and I'll talk about in the fantasy episode, Amir Abdullah. Remember that name? He might get some garbage time catches, some, some fun points if you're betting. Look at his receptions. Yeah, he's a he's a PPR guy. He's a he's a, That's he's what a JD he's, McKissick kind of. Well, and not only that, but you're talking Josh McDaniels. In New England, he had a Shane Vereen or a James White or somebody that was a third down vulture, a guy mm -hmm. he brought in for third down. Just remember the name Amir Abdullah when you're placing your. Best. I just think that uh, Las Vegas is not a team to sleep on, and for to be getting to be getting four or three and a half. I mean, it, it, it would, it's, in what's basically a home game for them. In what will probably end up being a game that's decided by a field goal. I mean, how do you not kind of like the Raiders? Is, is that a spoiler light for uh, alert for later? It, it really actually isn't because I have a couple of ones that I like more than yeah. this. But I'm just saying, like that. It, if I was if I was gonna get DGen and start betting on all kinds of games and stuff like that, I'd I'd be putting money on the Raiders. Yeah, I think for the Chargers, um, full steam ahead. Justin Herbert's gonna crush it. This game could go over. Oh, well over. You know, yeah, absolutely. So, got to talk about Sunday night football. It is Tampa minus two and a half at Dallas with an over under fifty one. It's mean, a prime time game again. Yeah. Whenever these two play teams play against each other, it's like, hey, week one, and we'll do it on prime time. Yeah, and why not? Yeah, the the, the nation. What, the only thing that baffles me is I know everybody loves Tom Brady, but the nation loves to bet on Dallas. Everybody likes Dallas. They're America's team, quote unquote. Why are the Bucks a two and a half point favorite at Dallas? I don't know. I don't know. I I think this is this is this is like a revenge game for Dallas. This is this and they're at home. This just sets up for every single thing to say Dallas is going to win this game. So That's it makes me feel like there's some kind of trap in here. It's like where's Admiral Akbar from Star? It's, it's a, a trap. trap. It's, it's a trap. <laughs> yeah, I got to get that sound drop for sure. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Last year, Tampa at home as the defending champs was lucky to squeeze by. And that's when they had a fully healthy Godwin and they had Gronk and they had, a, you know, a full... Now you're talking Brady, who missed two weeks of training camp. Not that he needs it, but let's face it, he's 45 years old. Uh, he has no Gronk. Godwin's a game-time decision, but I don't think anybody expects to play. I mean, he practiced, but he did it in a no-contact jersey. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I don't know that we can expect Tampa to just hop right back up and, and all full steam ahead, can we? Um, yeah, I don't. I think I think Dallas is going to win this game. I, I do. I, I just I don't understand it either, but once again I could be led I could be a I could be one of the lambs being led to the slaughter right now. Yeah, I I, I think for the Dallas side what worries me what's their offense going to look like with they're without Amari Cooper, uh Gallup's hurt, Washington's hurt, and Tyrone Smith, their Pro Bowl left tackle is hurt to the point where they bought they they got Jason Peters. Oh my god. Once again out of retirement. This guy must not like fishing. <laughs> this guy I, I mean this guy keeps coming out of retirement and I don't know I don't know why teams. I don't know if you watched the Bears last year when he came in to help, but he came in the, the Bears signed him. Oh my God, was that bad watch? Was that brutal to watch? Yeah, he can't keep up with anybody. And, and that's the thing that sucks is the man's a future Hall of Famer. He was amazing in his height in, in Philly. I they just run that's around how, him all the time. That's how worried they are that they brought him out of retirement. Well, and you're talking about two teams with the Bucks and the Cowboys both have a lot of O line problems with injuries and yeah. stuff oh, like that. Oh God, the Bucks three yeah. three guys. Yeah. So I mean. 
this is a game that I know everyone keeps saying over, 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 but I mean, there's a good chance this defense just keeps getting at everybody because this offense, both of these offensive lines are just been torn yeah, apart. Yeah, if you told me Dallas won 17-14, I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. at all. Um, and we got to talk about the last game, the Monday Night Football game. I, I know you're going to do a video about this. I know you're excited. I'm going to be opposite you, so we can debate now. you got Denver, 6.5-point favorite at Seattle, over-unders 45. And let's face it, this game is all about Russ. Yeah. I mean, am I wrong? This game is Rocky IV. This is, this is uh, Rocky goes into Russia, he gets booed, and by the end of it, everyone's cheering for him. You really think Russ is going to boo? They're gonna, I, I think it's going to be more... I think they're gonna, he's going to come out, and it's going to be one of those things like when the, when the, uh, when the, when the batter comes you know, like with the, in baseball, when the guy returns to his home team and he's going to play for somebody else, and they give him a standing ovation before the game or when he first comes up the bat. Even like the catcher and the pitcher, even the umpires are clapping and stuff like that. And then, you know, and then it goes back to business. Well, this is going to be the opposite. It's going to be like, they're going to do like this whole thing for Russ, and everyone's going to be, oh, yeah, he won us a championship. Yay, the crowd's going to be like, okay, boo, boo. He's going to score the first touch, and they're going to be like, boo, boo. And by the time he gets to the third touchdown, they're going to be like, well, whatever. We're out of this game, so yeah, Russ, go ahead and cook. Yeah, I, uh, I'm going to play the opposite side on this, and I actually believe, and I'm not doing to play devil's advocate. Um, not a long, long enough for a Rick rant, so I uh, couldn't get a sponsor there. But 93% of bets on this game are my, are Denver minus six and a half. Everyone believes what you do that Russ is going to go in there and crush Seattle. You know what else we thought about that when Tom Brady went back to New England? Every, oh, he's going to crush him by double dig- digits. He wants to ram it up Belichick's butt. Well, what happened? New England covered in that game. Okay. They had a ball in the air that would have won the game as a kick. I, I, I'm just let, – let me make my case before we have another Patton and Rick rant. Denver went 7-10 and 10 last year. Bringing in Russ does not automatically make them a Super Bowl uh, contender, especially in that division. Number two, Russ – as a, as a healthy quarterback for Seattle last year, was under 500. So I don't know this narrative that all of a sudden he magically turns Denver into a Super Bowl contender and they're amazing and they're going to run rush shot over the Seahawks in Seattle. It's still a tough place to play. Tell me I'm wrong. You're wrong. Okay. Okay, and I'll tell you why you're wrong. Because the, thir- the 13th man, or the 12th man, doesn't mean anything. Really? For the for the Seahawks this year, okay, your starting quarterback is Geno Smith, and that basically says all you need to say. The one thing that really drives me nuts about about quarterback and GM decisions this year, something like when it comes to the quarterback, is when you're putting Joe Flacco out there and you're putting Mike White, you're basically waving the white flag. When you're putting like Drew Lock can actually throw the ball downfield, something like that. I think like Geno's the Ben don't break quarterback as opposed to the. As opposed to the potential, you know, really, really good day or really, really bad day. If you just want an average quarterback, well, Geno Smith's your guy. Okay? But so the, the bottom line is is that you have an average team with an average quarterback. Last year, who was the best player on the, on the Seahawks, Tim? Russell Wilson. Yes, Russell Wilson. So you're talking about a team that was terrible last year, and you're taking away its best player, and you're filling it with, you know, Geno Smith and Drew Locke. And you take him. You're, I know what you're saying about the fact that well, Denver was a seven and ten team. Denver last year with the team they had with Drew Locke probably beat the Seahawks with Russell Wilson. So when you're taking the best player and moving him over onto this team, and then you're taking the two or three players you got in that trade and moving them over to the Seahawks, does it make a difference? It absolutely makes a difference. Denver is going to pummel this team, and, and I understand that you're saying 93 percent of the public money is on this game. But guess what? The public is right. About 50% of the time. So it's it's still a coin flip when you're talking about that stuff. Because why are you laughing? It's true. <laughs> no, it made me think of that line for Anchorman when he's talking about his, his sex panther cologne. He's like, 50% of the time it works every time. Yeah, so like, <laughs> but it's like 50% of the time it's going to work. So if you, when everybody, it drives me nuts when somebody says, oh, oh, the public's always wrong. Are they? Because I don't see, if the public was always wrong, people would stop gambling. Okay? And the bottom line is, is that when you're talking about people that are you're talking about people like when you got these pros, and I use quotation marks. You got all these pros that are talking about the 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 public and all that other stuff. But guess what? If everyone's listening to me and you and Joe Schmo and whoever else and all these other sites, I'm not going to name names. It's me or anybody. But it's like when when everyone starts listening to you because you're giving picks out for free, 
then the public is you because the public is following your picks. So when you say the public loses a majority of the time, they're your picks most of the time because people are people do their homework now. They follow people. They listen to other people telling them what they should bet and stuff like that. So the public is pretty much just following whoever they're, they're giving their money or paying or, or using their time to follow. I'm on a rant. You're right. Go ahead and tell me who, tell everybody who this sponsor is for. I got the Seahawks at minus four and a half and it went up to six and a half and I'd still bet it today. Okay. That Rick Rent uh, was sponsored by Half Acre. Half Acre Oktoberfest, great stuff. Go uh, buy it at your local Jewel. Um, yeah, I, I guess let's just take that opportunity to go right into Best Bets. Because my first best bet, Seattle plus six and a half. Oops. I, 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 like I said, I, I went you. I, I, lo- I let you go on your rent because I love it and everybody into it loves it. But Seattle at home, still a tough place to play. I'm not convinced that Russell Wilson magically goes in there and turns them into a great team. So you're going to give me Seattle Seahawks at home with six and a half. I'm taking it. I'm going to write this down right across from mine because I'll go ahead. It wasn't my. It wasn't listed as my first best bet, but I'll just go ahead and say it. Well, that's the, called a transition, my friend. The Broncos minus six and a half. All right, so we're just gonna go ahead and heads up on this one. And if I didn't make if I didn't make my bets already, when I got it at four and a half, I would totally take your money too. Wow. All right. Well, well, you and ninety three percent of the world are gonna be wrong. I guess on Wednesday when you come, you're you're the only the second person that's ever that that's attacked, attacked me about Seattle. That's it. Did you get only it all person, out? Two okay. people. All right, you got a second best bet? No, no, me? I want to hear all your best bets now, Mr. Mister Wanna Rain on okay. my parade. Okay, well, uh, I, I talked about this when we talked about the NFC East, and I'm not backing down at all. Dallas plus two and a half. You're going to give me the Dallas Cowboys at home against a, a Bucks team that's got a lot of holes in it. I think they're going to win straight up, but I'll take the two and a half points. So Dallas plus two and a half. All right. Well, I got, I got one here that I'm not I'm not going to give out. you got to listen to the YouTube video for that one. Um, Ooh, that's called a tease. A tease, a tease. Sponsored by DraftKings. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna go in, a, I'm gonna go in another direction here. I'm gonna go Browns Panthers, and I'm gonna take the under 42. This game screams to me 16-13. I think that the two defenses here are gonna pretty much, and and the fact that the the best players on both teams are the running backs. I think this game gets to be real time-consuming, and it gets to be a real kind of drolled-out kind of game. And I feel like it'll be like, oh, hey, and knowing, of course, Kevin Stavansky, because he's done it in the past, where it'll be like, hey, the running game's really working for us. Let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and throw a couple of passes, and it's incomplete pass, incomplete pass, incomplete pass, and we're punting the ball. And I feel like that's going to see a lot of those. It's got a lot of field goals and stuff. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be 16-13 in that game. I agree with you on the under. I just think it'll be 16-13 Carolina. Um, my last of the best bets, Miami minus 3.5. No surprise at all from anybody that's listening to me. I, I think the only thing keeping that from being a bigger number is the fact that the New England Patriots are still the New England Patriots. I think Miami beats them by probably 10 points. It could get ugly. You know what my, my third best bet, which is four if you actually listen, if you watch the YouTube video, once again, another tease. <laughs> Punt the QB channel, Just YouTube. Punt the QB channel on YouTube. Um, is, is I'm going to stay in the same game with you. New England-Miami under 46.5. I don't see anything with this New England offense that encourages me to think that they're going to put up any kind of points. And I don't think that this is like a Miami... I don't think Miami is going to come out and just blow the doors off of them. I think New Orleans... New, Miami wins this game. It's maybe 31-10, 28-13 you know, or something like that. You know, That's not blowing the doors off of them? It's not going over. Okay. No, I, I I agree with you on that one. I was really surprised when I saw that number. I, I think Miami crushes them, and, and heck, let's just do a parlay with them. Miami and the under. Um, as I said, that's your three. That's my three. Uh, Rick's got a tease. Check out our YouTube channel for some more good uh, Ricky Vegas content. Thank you all for listening. Um, next, we're going to have our fantasy football take on week one, so uh, please check that out. All right. See you guys next time.